Welcome. Welcome all. This is Like Trees Walking. I am Michael J. Nelson, and with I'm me is... The Reverend Pastor, uh, David Berge, whatever you want to call me. Just just Dave, just Pastor Dave, P- Dave PD, you know. PD. I PD. don't think we brought that up before, but I like that new variant. Yep, PD. PD. I don't, I've never signed an email, I don't think, PD yet. Like, just at the bottom, like, thanks, thanks for reaching out, PD. PD. It's very cash and at the same time <laughs> loathsome. But it's weird. It's actually like one of the weirder things about because I, but you know, relatively at this point, when you're listening, if you're listening to this in the year of our Lord 2017, I'm a relatively young pastor. And in fact, interestingly, like I think under the age of 35, only like less than 10 percent of pastors are that age. So within my own profession, I'm I'm extremely young, relatively speaking. But when people start calling you like I grew up calling my pastor, you know, Pastor Don. And and then like I kind of like felt very uncomfortable with people redressing me as Pastor Dave. Like I was just I'm just Dave. How know? do you feel about it now? Um, I've um grown I'm, into. I'm it? growing into it because that's a I think in a many ways like you embrace the role because you're like that's what people that's what people want and that that's what they need for me is their pastor to be their pastor, not like another buddy necessarily or yeah something. So I'm your pastor. Like there ain't nothing wrong with that. That's right. And uh, Pastor Dave, PD. What is like trees walking for those who just may be tuning in for the first time? Do you tune into a podcast I, uh, for those da- who may be clicking play on the their player for the first time? I think you tune in. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't. What know. do you do? I don't know anymore. Stream those streaming streaming. I think radio terms are still. I think we should still use them. Yeah, so. those of you merging onto this lane of the information <laughs> super highway. <Right. laughs> I don't know. What the oldies are still the goodies, so yeah. tuning in is is what we're going to use. All right, there's with. there's a few important, you know, propositions we can say about what is what is this? Uh, one, it's a podcast. Yes. Uh, two. And what is a podcast? Let's let's <laughs> oh just go back God. to first principle. No, <laughs> on, if you're on, listening to it, you know what it is. Okay, we should so do it's a, a podcast. We, we should do a podcast on what is a, <laughs> what is the um, platonic <laughs> essence of a podcast. I know that there was a campaign done by a podcast group to sort of do that very thing because there's a there's a certain group of people who say, "Oh, I have my favorite podcast," and there's a just people who just go, "Oh, I don't listen to those. I don't know how they work." And <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. So they launched a whole campaign like send your friend a podcast and then to the and at this site it will explain to them oh, what it is. What it is, how it works. <laughs> I, I get that. There's just like I don't know. I'm that's not a department. That. I think that's like a department for a couple more shows. Is like define, yeah, d- define a podcast. All right. Yeah. Anyways, anyways. So yeah. So we're a podcast, and we are about um, the big important questions of life, faith, existence. Um, we do this from a Christian perspective. We welcome all comers, though, of course, people of um, any or no or ambiguous faith, wavering faith. Um, we want you to come here and eavesdrop on what we consider really important conversations. Yes. And so uh, today on our show will be no exception. We will take on a big, uh, a big topic, uh, rules. And in the second half, we'll be going revisiting a department. Explain that meme. Mm. Um, it's a, it's pop, a pop, very popular one. It's very popular. And this meme is it's a long time coming where we need to explain this. And thankfully, Dave is there for us. You're going to cover this one. And He'll explain be it to there me. for you. Uh, but let's introduce the big topic of the day. This is very timely, um, but it's also timeless in yes, terms of its principle. That's what we tend to yeah. do. We are 
just a, a slight warning. We will be referencing politics. We will not be getting into it. Do not press stop and throw your podcasting device across the room going, I'm sick of politics because I swear we will not be getting into quote unquote politics. Right? Uh, not definitely not quote definitely not quote. <laughs> but unquote this was politics. raised in that context and we're going to talk about the bigger principle. And that is um, the uh, Vice President Mike Pence. It came out recently in uh, an article about him. I think it was just a. It piece was in the, it was a piece him. about his wife in the Washington Post. Okay. It was like a profile that they that they wrote up of his wife, uh, Karen Pence, I believe is her name, the the second lady of yes. the United States. And in this, there was a I think a, a sort of just a. a a tossed aside comment about why don't you explain what so i'll explain it because i when i knew we were going to talk about this i went and because i you know we're we're people in the world so we hear you know when things come up we hear about them and so we can't shut them out as much as we want yeah, to. so we hear about them so you hear about this and you hear sort of about like the the um the kind of strong reaction and the hot the takes were coming fast and hot about yes. what you know what was this and so i went back and i, I just read the um uh, washington post profile of of Karen Pence, and it was talking about her, the, like her and her husband have this very close marriage, and then also kind of professional relationship too. That she's sort of a, very close to him in what he does in his in his various roles in government over the many decades that I think he's been doing that. Mm-hmm. Since coming out of Indiana, anyways, and the line was just saying it was from a it was a it was, and she didn't participate in this Washington Post profile, like. They asked her to comment, and so she didn't. It was a profile kind of written, which I think you can do well, actually, because sometimes people's own insights into themselves aren't that interesting. So you talk to the people around them, you know what I mean? And so this is a completely valid way to write a profile. But uh, you could tell, I think in reading this, I could tell that there was like, you had to get some kind of several circles out before you could get to people who were willing to speak about them. And so the author was also just referring to old profiles and articles that were written for some insight into into her and into uh, her marriage and relationship with her husband. And it said that in, in, it was a 2002 The Hill, which apparently that's like a publication. I don't know. Yeah, that's a a political. It's a political publication called The Hill. Inside Baseball, yeah. Yeah, so I've, I, I, I confess to not reading The Hill ever, but I heard it. So it was in a 2002 interview, it referenced that um, he said that uh, Pence, who was then, I don't know if he was, a, he, I think he was a congressman at the time, said that he never dines alone with a woman who's not his wife. And that, uh, uh, and that is known as now the Billy Graham rule. So mm-hmm. we can kind of parse that in several different ways. But so the Washington Post article was referring to a 2002 The Hill article. And I couldn't actually find the original The Hill article. Oh, because that's still online. They must the not Hill archived. Is on, yeah, 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 they haven't archived that far back. I don't think before like 2008. So oh, okay. if anyone has the microfiche or uh, like yeah. a copy and wants to email it to me, that would be nice. So I, so I don't know exactly the specifics of what he actually said in the context. I have no idea. I want to be fair. Uh, you know, fairness in talking about something I want to know. Yeah. It's it's origin, so I cannot mischaracterize what someone said. So over-explaining it, yes. So he, it came out that he didn't never dined alone with a woman who was not his wife, and there was some rule about alcohol, correct? Oh, yeah. The other thing was um, would not attend an event where alcohol was being served without his wife either. And... Uh, I think people out there can probably guess was the the internet's reaction to it. I'm sure was calm and measured and respectful. Um, it, <laughs> either either this is like some sort of 
you know, uh, Sharia law is is close to being imposed on on us, or um, just a you know what a what a sick, depraved freak, man. Yeah, there was a strong reaction to it. So why don't we give our reaction? Not, yeah, and we're going to give our reaction. And this is not again. This is not to Mike Pence, the politician, the vice president of the United States, and what his policy perspectives. Um, and preferences might be. We are not touching on those. Yeah, no, at all. we're talking specifically about these rules, which are not uh, probably he called these maybe from his own wisdom, but he probably from Billy Graham, right? This is a well known, at least to those of us who even know who Billy Graham is and care about it. But why don't you explain where these probably come from and why? What possible reason could this this man have for doing this? Yeah, so. Um, the Billy Graham rules uh, come obviously from the the, the great uh, still still with us, Billy Graham, who um, was I mean it, he's uh, very old. He's extremely <laughs> old. He's in his nineties. See, um, live live a good life. You're gonna you'll live long. Billy Billy um yeah so Billy was a, a an evangelist. You know um, I'd say like a kind of post World War II America. Um, he was America's pastor. At least he turned into that. Um, when I I actually had um. I went to a Billy Graham crusade mm-hmm. uh, when I was... He came to the Twin Cities in, like, the mid-90s, mid... Yeah, I'd say, like, 95 or something like that. I so. think he had a big presence in Minneapolis, isn't there? Oh, he did the, there? The, the Billy Graham, like, the uh, the Worldwide Pictures, I think, or something. Yeah. There was a... Yeah, there was a... They made these uh, kind of cheesy Christian movies, and I believe... That w- yeah, that was certainly headquartered in the Twin yeah. Cities. Yeah, I, was, I think it was right downtown. And he was a... a honorary at least president first president of northwestern what was northwestern bible college now is northwestern everything's a university now we can get in that's another gripe make a mark for a department why change the name of your college to a university that just bothers me (laughs) but anyways yeah so billy graham actually had quite a presence in the twin cities but he brought one of you know these crusades were these big rallies where you'd get you know the idea was you bring people together and he's going to give a gospel message and give people the opportunity to respond make a a faith response to that, and my church, and the, the what I went to, and it was at the Metrodome, uh, the great old. Oh yeah, now that guy of, could fill huge stadiums. Of blessed memory, I think someone once said that he's spoken in front of more people than any other human being in history. Yeah, he was a friend to pretty much every president. He was, yeah, he met with every president, regardless of party. Um, uh, for several, I mean, pro- probably, uh, probably up through Obama, even. I would say he met with them, probably, and, yeah. and, you know, but very kind of an active, you know, a active presence, someone who who they wanted to be close to or at least court for you know several decades. So, anyways, Billy Graham, I mean, you know, huge guy, and and when Graham was coming up, he he, I think started coming up in the in the mid to late forties, and before him, he wasn't the first kind of traveling evangelist to draw crowds, but um, <laughs> many before him, their careers ended in scandal. Yeah. And there was just a reputation problem with people who were traveling evangelists. It was that they were basically out to make a buck. And a lot of them weren't above chasing some skirt. And, <laughs> you know, like that, this, that there was an ill reputation. It's like uh, Elmer Gantry. Uh, yes. What's that from? Uh, it's a character in, uh, is it Sinclair Lewis book? Yeah, or? yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the uh, huckster of huckster. Uh, preacher, it's kind of the face in the crowd. Do you know that movie with uh-uh. Andy Griffith? Uh-uh. Same kind of deal, where he's a a charismatic, um, you know, 
yokely kind of uh, religious figure who behind the scenes is a monster. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was a common uh, archetype. So yeah, you have this archetype. Yeah, you have this archetypical character who is, uh, you know, a religious hustler and huckster. And so, you know, if if uh, if Billy Graham is going to have this and I mean, um, I believe it was who really started pushing him uh, was her. I think William Randolph Hearst, the publishing magnate, said ah. push Graham. And so uh, William Randolph Hearst um, really helped publicize his Los Angeles crusade, which put Graham on the map, which made him uh, almost overnight a, a nationwide celebrity. Um, incredibly prominent. Th- thousands flocking. So you go from this guy who's like, okay, I have this calling, and I'm going to pre- I'm gonna share the gospel with some people. We're going to do these revivals and rallies and crusades. And, you know, middling success, and then all of a sudden he's a sensation. And he recognized um, that what do you do when you become incredibly successful overnight? That there is inherent danger in that. And so he and his associates came up with these four Billy Graham rules. These are four Billy Graham rules. Here we go. Four rules for life. So here we go. So the the first one is op- operate with financial transparency. Okay, that's an excellent rule. Okay. Num- number two, avoid even the appearance of sexual immorality. Wow, that's tough to do, but... N- number three, avoid criticizing other pastors and churches. And four, be painstakingly honest in all publicity. Wow, this so, seems... Basic, but seems solid and good. Right? right. So he's trying to, with these rules, guard his reputation and guard the reputation of the ministry and of the outreach efforts that he's doing. Now, I was told by a friend, is this true? You researched this, that he, Billy Graham was never alone with a woman behind a closed door, like in his public life, who wasn't his wife. Right. I don't know that that's true. I can't, I can't speak okay. to that. But, what I, but that's, that sort of reflects the spirit of he was very meticulous about his... He did not, number one, d- did not want to be tempted himself... And number two, did not want to be trapped by anyone trying to bring his reputation down, right? right? Is this not obvious that you would safeguard yourself if you were a prominent pastor like this? I think being a public figure plays into this um, in a pretty large way. And when we consider the context, I I definitely have many, many thoughts on this. But, But before we get into any of the kind of specifics of that, just to say, like, that these kind of boundaries are meant to be healthy. And um, when we look at, like, I think it's hard as I'm not a famous pastor person, even though I do have a podcast that, you know, some a few people... The fastest growing podcast <laughs> in the podcast world. I guarantee we're in the top 10,000 podcasts. Even, so the, even though we do have a top 10,000 podcast in the country, right. uh, I am still not. does not automatically confer... Worldwide fame on no, you. No, not not yet, not yet. But you know, like you, you think that you're a person. Um, the the more prominence and preeminence and power you get, the more um, the more people pursue you within that position. Of and, course, and I think the less that one recognizes that one is not necessarily well equipped, or one doesn't trust oneself to 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 deal with that necessarily really well, or say you know you're you're foolish. To assume that no matter what gets thrown at you, you're going to be able to handle it with integrity, you know? Yeah, and I think this was the part of the ridicule that um, uh, that I found sort of distasteful is that um, it's not that 
a, a woman is a temptress who you can't uh, you can't avoid, and you know, there's that's not the point. The point is like sitting here right now, saying to myself, "I will never be unfaithful," or "I will never slip up," is is easy enough. But you, I'm not there. I'm not in that situation in the future, and so it's just a an extra step to safeguard yourself, right? I think so, yeah, to instead of... Um, to safeguard a future you is what I'm saying. The you yes, that's not as strong as you are when you're sitting here right now with it, all surrounded by your values that are solid and strong. And, you know, there, there'll be a future time where you may not be as well equipped. So You might just, be tired. You might be, yes. you know, having um, a lot of stress. You might be, you know, experiencing some tension with your spouse. Yeah. And, you know, into that situation, and I'll say that it, it keeps one from context where one can like get in a situation where one begins to push your boundaries too. You know, so it's not just like, oh, you go from like straight laced whatever to like, you know, this <laughs> lecherous creature. But it it keeps you from those situations where you just begin slowly compromising as well too and, and perhaps uh, pushing the boundaries in a relationship with someone and getting into that habitual behavior because you've already established the context in which those kind of, you know, slow progression perhaps towards something untoward or the appearance of something untoward um you know, can happen. Now, I think that, and guarding these kind of situations can guard someone's reputation. I think of, you know, Billy Graham. I don't think there's any, ever been any of those sort of allegations. And he and his uh, late wife, Ruth, I believe were noted for having a very, you know, strong marriage. I think other people where this perhaps could have served them well is one of my, uh, one of my fave uh, 20th century theologians, Swiss theologian Karl Barth, notoriously had this personal assistant who lived in the house with he and his wife, her, uh, Charlotte von Kirstenbaum, I believe. And it was always just sort of a... The, the appearance of impropriety was more than an appearance of impropriety. Like, it seemed like, you know, there must be something untoward going on, and people asked about it, and it was a constant topic of speculation. And I think, in some people's mind, really under, un, undermined his credibility. Hmm. Or, another uh, very famous, very prominent 20th century theologian, a uh, he's an Anabaptist, uh, this guy named John Howard Yoder, uh, very prominent for writing about the politics of Jesus, kind of this radical pacifism. Um, if you know anything about Anabaptists or Amish people or Mennonites or whatever, like, you know, they're, they're pretty, they can be very radical in sort of breaking from the status quo. And this uh, is Yoder? Yoder. Yoder. Small guy, uh, large ears. <laughs> Little Robon speaks but, in backward sentences. But Yoder, oh, I mean, Yoda. you know, Yoder, he's this, so people love, I mean, a certain type of person at least loves to cite, like, John Howard Yoder, huge influence, The Politics of Jesus, huge, hugely influential book. I mean, mm -hmm. but then he did this bizarre, like, hugging thing that he would do with women that was, I think, cross, it crossed the line into a, huh. a form of a, a sexual assault, I believe, um, where, yeah, he was just saying, like, how kind of, it was his way of being like very progressive in his relationships with women. Like, see, like it's not a big deal. I can inappropriately hug you for several minutes, and it and it's since like tons and tons of women have come out um, saying that yeah, he did this to me, and it was it was very uncomfortable, uh, unwanted. Um, it was a violation, and I just huh. go, man, if you had established some of those rules for yourself, you could have saved your reputation. And maintain the credibility of what you wrote because it just undermines the credibility of one's life's work when there's a creepy, icky thing going on the side. Right, right. And that requires forethought and these helpful rules. As mockable as they are, they, uh, they would have helped out in those situations. 
Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think having some <laughs> rules and sticking to them. It's like the um, uh, Christianity. That in actually in going through my training for my pastorate, one of the things that I had to do once was come up with a rule of life. And this is a uh, this is has a long history. There's monastic communities forever have had rules. The right. the rules of Saint Benedict are still being used to this day um, because they're saying if you want to live a Christian life with integrity, having some pretty basic ground rules is going to really help you out because then you don't have to trust your feelings. Like, I'm, of course, I'm always going to do the right thing yeah. in those circumstances. You know? Right. And I'm always going to feel this way. I'm always going to be this strong. What's the movie? Is it, is it Clint Eastwood? A man's got to have a code. I'll look that up. Did he the, say that? Yeah, it's, it's like the, it's the, the theme of some movie that he's in. Or some, it's because some I, that, that man's got to have a code. We'll that, look that up that, in the break. That very quote. Yeah. Is on the wall of my office. Is it really? Yes, it is. But wow, well, we have to dig up the movie. I took it from, I got it from The Wire. Oh, no, I think it's from an earlier Clint Eastwood was, movie. Oh. We will settle this. Because he, this really good, in The Wire, uh, it's Omar, uh, this, character, this amazing character from The Wire named Omar. Uh, he's like a stick-up guy on the streets of Baltimore, and he, tar- he basically, he snitches on these other Mm-hmm. On these other criminals, like a if he he's a he's a lone wolf, a lone ranger. He's not in the game, like he's not a part of a one of these rival gangs selling drugs. Like Omar just robs people who sell drugs, and he his uh, one of his associates gets brutally uh, brutally beaten, uh, mur- murdered, and uh, uh, he snitches on him. And they're like, "Why are you snitching?" Like you know, and they're like, and he's like, "You know, listen, I've never pulled my pistol on someone who's not in the game," and then. That it's not Omar who says it. Sorry, it's Bunk, the police officer interrogating him. Says, "A man's got to have a code," because hmm. he's saying like even yeah. Omar, Omar, even in the criminal, you know, in the in the criminal underground, like there's a code of ethics saying you know who is fair game for him to rob and who is not fair game. And uh, if you're in the game, yeah, if you're selling yeah. drugs, then you're fair game. So a man's got to have a code. Man's got to have a code. And it's true. You've got to have a rule. That's right. That's right. But Mike, we're not going to break yet. <laughs> We're not. We're not going to break yet. I want to. Uh, can I just tell a quick the wire story? Please I tell think the this wire. This is the very story. funny. Um, a, f- a friend of mine. He's. All of his friends said, "Have you? You know the. Have you seen the wire thing? I'm sure everybody's been subjected to this. It's the greatest show in the world. And all true. Just because it annoyed him, he refuses to watch the wire and <laughs> acknowledges that he's missing out on one of the greatest entertainment <laughs> experiences ever. But is like. Just out of spite for everyone bugging me to watch The Wire, I'm never going to watch The Wire. It's like I've never it's read... It's a funny, it's... lifelong experiment to just deprive yourself just to spite. It's sad, but I haven't read the Harry Potter books ever, and, I, and I'm kind of sticking to that. Like Just uh, because people bugged you to do it? Yeah. I think that's a good... <laughs> I think that's a good, uh, uh, a hilarious thing. There are many other things that can fill that void. So you're in, in the long run, you won't be missing that much. Totally. And, no. it's, and it's worth it to... Uh, Slightly tick off your friends, and just to put a bow on things before we please do that. Break this segment. I did read a really uh, interesting piece uh, in response to this whole kerfuffle by a, a, a woman named Karen Swallow Pryor. She's a English professor at uh, Liberty University, so that's like the university that Jerry Falwell founded. So it's a it's a bastion of uh, Christian conservatism, mm-hmm. and she's a uh, English professor there. And she wrote this uh, first person piece for. Uh, for Vox.com. Um, and it's a, it's a really good piece when she talks about, okay, you know, in general, 
okay, having said a sort of like hard and fast rule, she she mentions one time in her career where she ran up against the Billy Graham rule, like like saying she asked a male colleague after meeting like it's oh, it's okay, raining outside, yeah. like can I give you a ride like across campus? And it was this very awkward like uh, no, and she was like, I mean, you know, let's be honest, the guy was like not uh, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Um, uh, material for lusting after. <laughs> she said it very nicely, but she's saying like, as a general rule, she's she she advocated a kind of virtue, a virtue ethic, a Christian virtue ethic. So saying that we're pursuing the mean between two different things, you know, cunning on the one hand and negligence on the other, and that if we can um, discipline ourselves in the vir- in in virtue, we can go through the world. Because yeah, I mean, for your. 99% of people there's professional situations personal situations where you're going to be you know you like you'll be one on one meeting with a person of the opposite sex and that's not just a big deal and if you're too cunning you're hypersexualizing every situation that's not healthy um, but if you're negligent, like the, oh, I could never do it, and I'm a good person, and it'll never happen to me, right, and so right, let's shut the just... door, and, oh, I'll sit next to you on the couch, and, you, you, like, it just, if you're negligent, you're 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 a fool, and there's too many, I think, especially uh, as a pastor, I just, I'm wary, too, of the fact that, like, you're, there's people in vulnerable situations who, in your position, you can take advantage of it, Co- going into it with a totally, you know, air quotes, innocent thing like oh this person's having a hard time they just need someone to be there for them and and you know that is foolish that's negligent but to be too cunning and be like all right like uh you know if i'm meeting with someone i make sure i got like 13 cameras in this room you know also kind of debases the situation so her her word was just saying like the 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 graham rule which is just avoid even the appearance of impropriety that that is best it's not a bad rule it's it's best implemented through the virtue um, of prudence, foresight, yeah. which yeah. is a balance between cunning and negligence, and I and so I I think her perspective was was a really good one. See, you especially have to be wary because you may be with a woman who has library glasses and her hair is up, and you just don't even notice. And then all of a sudden, she takes her glasses off, <laughs> she shakes her hair out, and she's a knockout. Whoa, this it, happens all the time, it's, and it's a very dangerous situation. There's, um, there's this like not uh, one of those parody movies. They're, they're pretty bad, but not another teen movie. Oh yes, and but they had this great scene because I forget it. It's like Ten Things I Hate About You or. or um, Oh, she's all that, I think, where it's like a bet. Like, I bet oh, you can't turn yeah, that yeah. girl in. Like, can you turn that, like, freaky girl into, like, the the prom queen or whatever? And, like, in the parody movie, there's, like, all these different women walk by. Like, one has two heads. <laughs> like, just, and, then, and then they look at this girl. They're like, oh, look at her. She's got glasses <laughs> and her hair's up. And it's, like, such a perfect parody of that. Like, oh, what a freak. That's why we have the Graham rule, to avoid those types of... <laughs> We're joking, of course. Um, all right, well, we'll, uh, we'll take a little break now. Yes. We'll look up the where that comes from, the a man's got to have a code. Mm-hmm. We'll find the origin of it. And uh, then when we come back, we're going to uh, explain that meme, right, as well, before we leave. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, we'll uh, hear from the pastor, and we'll be back with Light Trees Walking right after this. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Like Trees Walking and all the love and support you've shown us. Uh, There's a few things you could do that would really help us out. So first, wherever you listen to this podcast, if you could just go there and click subscribe, that would really help us out. Also, if you can rate us and review us, 
You can go on Facebook to Lake Trees Walking Podcast. Like it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LTWPod. Those are all ways that uh, you can help support us and uh, help us get the word out, retweet us, uh, share share posts, and that kind of a thing. But uh, And also our wonderful social media coordinator, Marty McTeague, does a great job of uh, putting stuff out and inter- interacting with people and kind of picking out some things from the show, say a quiz or a meme or an article, and, uh, and spreading that out so you can kind of even know more of what we're talking about. So those are all ways to support and interact with Like Trees Walking. We are so, so grateful for... Um, for everything you've done so far, we had our uh, in March. We had our best month ever, so we're just very encouraged uh, with how folks are doing it. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and uh, yeah, let's get back to the pod. And we are back with Like Trees Walking. Thank you, Pastor. My pleasure. Always my pleasure. Can we take a second to point out, uh, we always like to talk about our gear upgrades. Oh, yeah, here, we have. I at, can't believe we made it this long without talking about here it. Here at Like Trees Walking. And as you know, uh, being insiders, being one of the fastest growing podcasts in the podcast verse, um, we, of course, uh, know the lingo, the, the slang, the jargon from yeah. the industry. And uh, we got a new set of cans for yeah. each of us. Cans are, why don't you explain it? Cans are, Mike, Mike won't even utter these words, so cans are what you also might call headphones. Um, uh, so we got a new set of hand, headphones because Mike got these other, we slowly are upgrading. We started, we started at the bottom, now we're here, as uh, Drake would say, but uh, we had these like earbuds to start with. That's why we, yes. were, we were your earbuds. And Mike got these like middling, you know, kind of cheap. They were, they were functional, these red headphones that were... But mine broke, and then Mike tried to fix it with like a... I, um, I do not have a soldering iron. The wire came out, so I heated up a screwdriver, and I soldered it back on, which lasted less than half an episode. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike and was so not our ha- Mike producer, was not our great producer, John Hupp, stepped up and sent us real studio headphones. So we're like, we're 90% of the way to being an actual podcast. So when you hear this and you're like, man, it just it's, it sounds better, it's crisper. Thank you. That's that's John. That's, that's the uh, the cans coming into play. No, yeah, putting the podcast together starting from it, it's kind of like flying the plane or building the plane while flying it kind of a deal. You know, you crawl out onto the wing and you replace the aileron or whatever. I mean, that's what we're doing here. We are. Little bit by bit we're improving. So, anyway, if you notice the rich timbre that is uh, due to the headphones. Now, uh, you already put a bow on our uh, on our uh, topic for today, which was the the Billy Graham rules uh, through the story about Mike Pence. Anything yeah. to add to that before we move? No, on? I'm not going to belabor the point. Just other than to say, developing uh, rules that cultivate virtue are are good and um, and necessary. I, I think that, of course, we want to avoid the extremes of over sexualizing situations or people but it's also foolhardy to say that when one is in a situation of prominence and power um that and you also want to have things like a good and healthy and trusting marriage um that these kind of rules uh which set clear boundaries for oneself are can actually be really useful and and effective so i am uh uh yeah i'm saying that that it's it's a good idea to develop rules to cultivate virtue and it's not mockable it's it's laudable, I would yeah. say, and I and I literally don't care about Mike Prince's policy preferences at all. 
I just think I I just think of the several examples I named a few of them of prominent people I know, but there's other people who you've never heard of, uh, too many colleagues who I've known who have gotten themselves in situations where they've engaged in misconduct, and the reason that they did it is they they were foolish. They trusted they trusted how good they were. Right. They trusted their own virtue a little too much. Yeah, a little too much. You know, they trusted their own virtue too much. So don't don't be too trusting. Don't be a a a, a weird freak, but don't trust yourself too much. Yeah, be skeptical of your own behavior in situations you're not aware of. Exactly. Um, All right, well then let's move on. We have to get to an important thing. I recently, this has come up many times, so if if you need to shut it off, I understand we are going to be talking about Star Wars again. Because I just spent a lot of time with the just came out on Blu-ray Rogue One which is a prequel, I believe, to the entire series. It, it's like a... No, I mean... <laughs> well, it's the origin of it's the... It's a parallel quell. It's a parallel? But it's it's in the... No, because it wouldn't be a prequel to the whole series, because that, that would place it like before the before we met Jar Jar, which <sighs> that's not it. Mike, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm so sorry. I, don't, I don't have the timeline down, but it's before the first Episode movie. Four. Yeah, it kind of like is... It's, it's kind of parallel. It's a parallel story to the f- episode four, A New Hope, the first movie that came out. But it's taking place before it and explaining. It, I guess initially, and the same characters are in it. The very first scenes is a prequel of that because it's well, this this the woman who ends up being the main character is a is a child, so that would make it a prequel. But the story is okay. In how in, is it how is it parallel if it's taking Mike, place because and explaining ex- something before it's explaining it? Isn't that how just they a got, prequel? No, because they're explaining how they got the plans to the Death Star, which feature in the fourth movie. Like it, it yeah. intersects with because right. she, she's saying many Bothans died bringing you this information. Yes, and, and that woman's name is what is her? I forget. Mon Mothma. Oh, Mon Mothma. Isn't that awful? <laughs> no, it's, I, this is so stupid. I was just thinking about this, like. Okay, the main character names are good in Star Wars. Like Luke Skywalker, great name. <sighs> Han Solo, fantastic name. Princess Leia, amazing. See, his Chewbacca. Name's, his name's Han Solo because like he goes alone, man, and it's <laughs> exactly, so stupid. Exactly. It's a great name, though. Uh, it's just awful. Anyway, this meme. Widget, great name. Okay, never mind. Keep going. Uh, Keep well, you'll have another name to explain in just mere moments. Uh, all right, let me just play the, the meme. And then you explain it, please. Here it is. Hopefully, a yeah. wicket. Sorry, which wicket is the name? Oh yeah, wicket W. Warwick. Warwick, because because the little guy in him was Warwick. Yeah, Warwick Davis, the great Warwick Davis. Yes, who was in Leprechaun. I think a lot of the Leprechauns. Although I think then he was eventually replaced. But here we go. Here's the meme. Hopefully, this is the levels are right. If not, I'll. Uh... That sounds good. It's a trap. Pretty much it, folks. So the meme is <laughs> it's a trap, and this launched a million videos, parodies, uh, meme generators were burning up. They were melting down the internet for probably years. I mean, you'll still, still see going. it. Oh, you'll still, still going. see. So, who is this, and what is it? Explain this to someone at home. Going, I just heard somebody mumble the words "it's a trap." It's a great. So, what is it? It's such a great meme by the way uh, because it's from Return of the Jedi it's the climactic battle scene where they are uh, there's a battle that's going to go on and they're going to destroy the second Death Star and uh, guy leading the rebel fleet is none other than Admiral Akbar, a Mon Calmari he's like a fish person 
So he's he's like a fish frog. He's got like catfish uh, whiskers. Yeah, he's got a giant fish head, and his name and his race is what the Mon Calamari. Calamari. That's how dumb this is, folks. <laughs> but the fish guy named Calamari. But it's great because it, Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. Is like a funny way to anytime someone's in a trap or finds themselves in a situation they can't get up. You go, it's a trap. And you immediately call back this great moment. And I can't remember. Uh, I remember that there's several traps going on. One is on the forest moon of Endor. Um, the rebels <laughs> with are trapped at the shield generator base. They get tricked yeah. before the climactic battle where the Ewoks help them win and take down the shield generator so then they can penetrate and destroy the second best. And then sing Yub Nub. Yub Nub. Gitchy Gura. Do 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 do. And he's playing. I love he's the he's playing like the xylophone of that of the um, stormtrooper helmets. It's so great. Like I do remember that. <laughs> it reminds me of that. Um, uh, like uh, uh, the Simpsons. You know the comic book nerd guy, and he's like at an itchy and scratchy convention, and he's like, uh, <laughs> "You struck the same rib twice, and it played the same note." <laughs> and, I'm, and I just think, like, some person's probably like, "The tonage on those helmets they is probably, incorrect." Yep, you couldn't have gotten the different notes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's that's it's a trap. That's what that meme is, and it was. Um, let, let's say it was pandered to in Rogue One. There's some admiral who I thought it was hilarious. Where they're off screen, they're talking about how. The admiral is prepared to fight, and there's like a, a glowing hero shot of the woman, like her eyes almost filling with tears to think of this. And they cut to him, and it's one of these calamari fish dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I just laughed out loud. I'm like, it's impossible to feel that, uh, you know, that they, way they're about They're inspirational. Uh, they're an inspirational race. Fish out of water. He's like carrying 10,000 spawn in his own mouth and running <laughs> this battle. It's. Just ridiculous. So anyway, it was it was, and he played a prominent role in Rogue One, this spiritual successor to Admiral Akbar. Yes. So just to prove just how stupid this series is, it, uh, folks, don't but, let Mike slander. Uh, it, yeah, there's a lot of the, they they call back. It's it's a trap or something, and it is. There's some shameless fan service. Oh, they even do the, which I think is a terrible, terrible line that should never have been repeated, but uh, I got a bad feeling about this, right? They have to put that in every yeah. single Star yep. Wars. I got a Why? bad Why feeling is about that? it. It's not a good line to start with. It's, it, you know, it's a cliche in the first Star Wars. But sometimes Why cliches do they have to just are, keep repeating Does he say it? it in the trash compactor? Is that where he says it in the first Star Wars? Like, I got a bad feeling about this. I, I actually, I don't know. I, I, I look to you for this. If one were in a trash compactor, I think you'd have a bad feeling. I, I suppose that's true, but uh, like garbage monster. Oh god, we, we're not getting it. I'm not going down any more rabbit trails. We're not going down anymore. We're going to end the show. <laughs> the music tells us uh, this has been a, a great discussion. Hopefully, you gained something out of it. We thank you for joining us uh, once again. I am Mike Nelson, and this is like trees walking. And we hope to see you again and uh, hear your thoughts through the miracle of podcasting uh, on the biggest issues of life so thank you pastor dave thank you michael let us meet again soon shall we i hope to all right 